hit it. Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast live at the LA Auto Show. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings live listeners. We are here at the LA Auto Show covering all sorts of reveals. So let's get started because right now we're here at the BMW booth where they have shown off, what is this, eight cars? And uh, the newest car here is actually something that we've seen a long time ago. But now it's a production version. This is the i8 Roadster. And BMW's also taken the time to bump up the battery and improve this car's performance. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, I was talking with a colleague last night, Sammy, and he was mentioning how the way the i8 was unveiled was kind of backwards if you think about it. Because if they had started out with the Roadster and then brought out the coupe later, one of the interesting things about this vehicle is it's only 60 kilograms, so about 125 pounds heavier than the coupe. But when you release the, the Roadster second, it's heavier. If you'd release the, the coupe second, the story is not only is, do we have a coupe version now, but it's lighter than the Roadster and it's faster because we've updated the powertrain because this car, as you pointed out, does have an updated powertrain. The, the Roadster does 0 to 60 in, I believe, 4.6 seconds and the coupe is 4.4. It has a longer range for, for battery, just on EV mode, and it can go faster on EV mode than it could before as well. I'm a little disappointed because the 0 to 60, range, the zero to 60 time is still four and, a half, four and a half seconds averaged between the coupe and the Roadster, and that's exactly how it was with the last generation model. But uh, the extended driving range, that's now well over 30 miles of pure electric range. That's pretty impressive yeah I think it averages I think it averages at around 35 if you look at between the two cars and something else that I think is very difficult to convey on the podcast but you'll see images of this because we'll have them up on the site is just how attractive the Roadster really is and it's not easy to lop the, the roof off of a big two-door car and have it not look awkward and there's nothing awkward about this design in fact if anything I would say that the removal of the hatch has really accented the very cool uh, rear fender and rear taillight styling on the i8. It's much more eye-catching. It stands out more. Uh, funny aside, the new word for Targa is apparently Roadster because this, like so many other convertibles that we're seeing these days, it's it's essentially a Targa section that's motorized. It's a soft top that goes into a compartment just behind the driver and passenger. And Another interesting fact about this car, Sammy, is that with the top up, you can access the compartment where you hold the roof normally, and it's 100 liters of storage. I don't know what that translates into cubic feet. The press release was entirely in metric, so I apologize <laughs> to our American listeners. But uh, needless to say, that's not a feature you would find very often on a convertible. Uh, you're also missing one very important thing that makes the i8 absolutely stand out, and that's the gullwing doors. And they've managed to keep the gullwing doors while taking off the roof. I think that's an impressive engineering uh, move on their part, and it helps make this car truly unique. Now, Sammy, are gullwing doors still gullwing doors if they're actually scissor doors? Uh, no comment. Because in my mind... I'm not a door expert, am I? <laughs> I thought you were the resident door expert on this podcast. Well, between the two of us, I guess. But now you're making me feel out of place. You, you, become, the, you become the door expert now. In my mind, a gullwing door is called that because it looks like a gullwing in the sense that it rises up from the center of the, of the roof and it has an arch. Whereas these cars, the i8 uh, Roadster in particular, it, it pops up from the corner and kind of rotates out of the way. And in fact, this is kind of funny, there's a really big piston that holds the door up. And I keep thinking of, you know, buyers who maybe also have like a Rolls Royce in the garage and they're like reaching towards this piston thinking it's an indoor umbrella like in their Rolls and they can't get it out. And then they go to the dealership and they're like, my umbrella's not working. 
I'm upset, and then they have a very awkward conversation. <laughs> I can see that happening. But you know, we should also point out the other things that BMW brought to the LA Auto Show. We're looking at an M5, we're looking at an M3 CS, there's an X7 concept and an 8 Series concept, there's a mini electric vehicle, there's a scooter, um, there's another electric car concept, as well as an updated i3. So, so they really, they, they didn't, they brought everything um, that, that they've worked on the past few few years, or maybe one year. A lot of this stuff was unveiled in Frankfurt, and this is the, the first time it's been to North America. Yeah, the Pebble, and the i8 was in Pebble Beach, and uh, I think it's very interesting, too, because if you look around, there's no new cars, right? There's no, no, uh, no they, they're really the booth is dominated by these electrified vehicles and the new performance cars, the, the M5 and the M3CS. The M5, I'm actually going to be driving later this week and you'll hear all about that in a couple of weeks when we do the podcast and the i3s as well the the faster version of the electric i3 i will also be driving around the same time period so we're not going to focus on too much today but uh it's going to be interesting because it's the first all-wheel drive m5 it's the first two-wheel drive m5 in the sense that you can switch back and forth between the modes and the i3s the idea of a sport i've always said that the i like the the platform that, that car is on and if they can make it sporty and more fun to drive it's already a decent drive then that's going to be an intriguing option for people i always hear people and i agree with them the i3 is a surprisingly fun car to drive and you get the added benefit of it being a pure electric car uh, and it really has the bmw uh dynamics and dna in it and to, to improve upon that is can only be a good thing what do you think about the x7 it takes some getting used to to see in person uh, to, to look at and uh, on paper and or at least in photos it was not as pretty as it is in person but you think it's pretty it's definitely prettier than it was on in photos that's for sure I, it's very it's very much a behemoth like this is a massive vehicle with a lot of presence you look at it and I mean Their the benchmark the, clearly was the QX80 <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost yeah, like a smoothed over QX80 it has an enormous grill enormous wheels big slab sides I mean the sides aren't boring they've got some curves worked into them it's it's not like you're looking at just like a, a wall of steel or whatever exotic material keeps this thing from weighing 7,000 pounds <laughs> but um, the i8 parked beside it, it's almost a similar philosophy. That's the 8 Series. Sorry, yes, uh, the 8 Series parked beside it. It's like a similar, overwhelmingly huge philosophy. Right, right. And look what they did with the grill. I wonder if that's going to be a, a production uh, design or, or if that's just what they're doing in their concept to maintain their design language. It's, it's hard to know because if you, we look, Sammy mentioned earlier, there's a, the other electric sedan that was here that's going to be positioned between the i8 and the i3. And it has a very, 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 very huge kidney grill, but there's no actual grill because they don't need the cooling. So it's kind of like this big, they've carved out a huge kidney section on the front of the car, and it is it is unlike anything else. I mean, you look at the other cars here, and at least there's an effort at integration, whereas this is kind of like a, the gold medallion of kidney grills. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. This car is going to production within 24 months. And it will be interesting to see. Yeah, there will be a ver production for Sammy is shooting me a look. See, this is That's we, impressive. we rarely like do this it. live, so I'm able to work off of his visual cues. He does eyebrow stuff too. Yes. Um, Hear this. <laughs> but it's uh, going to be an interesting competitor for BMW. They want 25 electrified vehicles by 2025, which to my ears does not sound that ambitious. So I believe they can do it. I think they can do it as well. I think they already have some electric electrified versions of their cars, uh, and, and almost all of their cars by now. And um, they just need to bolster that lineup a little bit more. Just one more thing I want to point out about BMW and the European automakers in general. When they say electrified, sometimes that can refer to 
going from a 12 volt electrical system to a 48 volt electrical mm. system, which does not necessarily mean you're looking at a hybrid car. The 48 volt electrical systems are more efficient because transmitting, just managing power at that higher voltage is easier and um, it allows them to use kinetic recapture if they want to on, again, it's an easier way to do it than with a 12 volt system. But it's also kind of a trick because if you think about it, we're used to thinking electrified, it means there's an electric motor or it means that there's a, at least a, uh, I don't know, some type of, of IE loop system like yeah. Mazda had where they were dumping energy back in the car or it's, or it's a pure EV. I like this idea of, of just bolstering the battery. That also helps uh, with, with fuel efficiency and can cut down on, on emissions. All right, and now we're over here at the Lexus booth, which is just next door to BMW, and they're showing off something a little less exciting, but still pretty important. This is the three-row Lexus RX, officially called the RX 350L and 450L. There's a 450L, so they are making a hybrid, even though they, you know, battery tends to go where the that third row is? Yeah, from what I understand, there's going to still be a, a hybrid. We're talking about Lexus. Lexus loves to make hybrids, so why cut that out of their uh, out of their showroom? And we're looking at a cutaway specifically version of the car, so we can see they have like a setup, so there's a mechanical system moving the seats up and down and folding. It's not a completely flat load floor in the back, which is, I don't think it's a deal breaker for people, but it's a little disappointing. It's 2017, you know, almost 2018, and you still have a little bit of an incline and a semi-taller floor because of these seats. But what I think is most important, Sammy, is Lexus did not have anything like this in their lineup. They had three-row vehicles that were totally different. Yeah, the three-row vehicles that they had before were like body-on-frame SUVs. They yeah. were they were based on, I guess, the Sequoia and the Forerunner and the... Or, well, or the Land Cruiser? This, I don't think the Sequoia, but I definitely, I definitely think the, the, the others that you mentioned, drivetrain-wise at least, and uh, the LX, L Lexus LX three-row folded down from the sides of the vehicle. It wasn't like a traditional bench, so it used a lot of cargo space when it wasn't in use, and it's not, um, it's not the best system for practicality. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very simple reveal for them. I mean, this is not an all-new re-engineered vehicle. They just kind of stretched the, the, the wheelbase and the length of the vehicle a little bit, and they added that third row. But while we're looking at this cutaway, I have to admire the, the quality of the car. It actually, the, look at these seats. Look at this two-tone interior. And I don't remember the dash actually looking this um, stylish. Uh, before, we used to complain about all the weird angles in there, and I think they kind of smoothed that out a little bit. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people... Am I, am I dreaming? I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've been in an RX, but a lot of people buy these. The RX is, by far, for a long time, the best-selling Lexus. Mm -hmm. and, and it's... One of the best vehicles in the, in the compact uh, luxury segment. Or if we, uh, Yeah, if we can even call it compact now with the 110-millimeter stretch on the wheelbase or overall length. It's hard to tell based on the setup we're looking at. But um, it definitely, like Sammy said, it, it looks very high-end inside. No-brainer. This was a no-brainer uh, no for them. Yeah, it's you know the only surprise about this vehicle is that it took this long. Yeah, ab absolutely. Good point. Uh, let's get on to the next booth. I think that's going to be Mercedes. And okay, so we're here at the Mercedes-Benz booth, and uh, they're showing us something what always has been my favorite model in the Mercedes-Benz lineup. This is the brand new CLS, which kind of re or introduced the four-door coupe. Yeah, it's uh you know. It, I've never been as enamored of it as Sammy, mostly because when I sit in the backseat of this car, my head touches the ceiling, and that's always kind of, when it's a huge car like this and that happens, it's it's never a positive feeling for me, but stylistically, I mean, people love this car, and um, it really kicked off a trend where you suddenly saw every automaker wanting to get in on the four-door coupe thing. 
and you can't blame them. And especially now, just look at it. It's sharp. Look at these new. It looks like a. It looks like a shark almost. Like a like a shark with an inline six in its snout. Yeah, and that's the other big news with this car. There's a brand new powertrain for Mercedes, and that's not every day that you get all new engines for automakers. And they're going back to the inline format. There's an inline six. Uh, I actually understand that this is a very important decision for them because it's easier for them to make inline fours and inline sixes next to each other. And now since turbocharged four cylinders are such a popular item throughout the world, they can now upgrade to a four uh, a six cylinder. Uh, inline model alongside the same plant. And you know how much power it's putting out? Over 360, I believe. And it, this car in particular will be able to do 0 to 60 in about 4.8 seconds. It's, you know, there's another positive aspect of an inline six engine versus a V6, and that's that it's much smoother. It, there's less vibration, there's less harshness for the driver, it gives you a more luxurious experience. Back in the day, BMW used to be all about inline sixes and they still are to a degree uh, they, they don't offer a v6 engine period uh, mercedes was on that boat for a while too but they they always mixed and matched but it's uh i think it's a positive thing i own i own and have owned cars with inline sixes before and it's i i like the design you also can get a torqueier engine um from the same type of displacement as you would versus a v6 in general the other thing though about this is with an inline six, you have to have a longer hood because there's no way around it. Packaging is very, very different. Mm -hmm. it's, it's less compact, obviously. Um, but you know what, Mercedes looks like they've handled that really elegantly. It's a sharp looking car. It doesn't look too big. Uh, it looks very much like an E-Class, but with um, a sloped rear, rear roof. And this gives us a chance to finally have that car that we've all wanted, and that is a compact Mercedes-Benz with a transversely mounted inline six <laughs> with a wide, wide, wide front end. Absolutely. You know what? There's some other things I want to bring up about this car. It also uses, as you were mentioning before, a 48-volt um, battery system or electric system. And uh, for the first time ever, apparently, there's going to be three passengers in the back of this vehicle. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck indeed. Um, I absolutely love this debu de this debut. Uh, I almost had a stroke there. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, I absolutely love this debut, and uh, I can't wait to see this thing on the road because um, it's gorgeous. We're going to have to move on because Sammy is sweating like a, like a fountain. Where are we headed next? Um, we can head on over to Infinity. Why not? Whoa! So we were on our way to Infinity, but we were distracted by something at the Mercedes AMG booth. They have the AMG donut shop, and Sammy has just counted. How many donuts do they have here? 14 different donuts! And when we say donuts, it's not just like crullers and cream filled. They have specifically named donuts that are inspired. They're called high performance donuts, and they're inspired by Mercedes AMG vehicles. So we're going to read one by one <laughs> in unison. Well, no, not in unison. Uh, we'll each take a turn. Don't touch the donuts, Sammy. What? And it's so yummy. I think it's clear why. And um, so the first one is the hybrid hyper donut, which is inspired by the Mercedes AMG Project One. And then we've got. Hell's Donut, which is inspired by the Mercedes-AMG GTR, and I'm sure that gives you quite a stomachache. It's a green donut that looks like it's been spray-painted, so I'm assuming stomachache is a real thing. So then we have Whoa White Chocolate, which is another, it's a white chocolate donut, inspired by the Mercedes-AMG C63S. And then we have the Glazed GT4, which is this uh, two-tone, like silver and green, and that's inspired by the race car, the AMG GT4 race car. 
So um, I'm going to skip down to the bottom row because I want to say buy Turbo Blueberry, buy Turbo Blueberry over and over because it's inspired by the AMG SL65, but it is a just buy Turbo Blueberry, just rolls off the tongue. And then what, what's next? That's not fair. I like the buy, the buy Turbo Blueberry. Say it, it, say it a couple times. Buy Turbo Blueberry, buy Turbo Blueberry. Uh, we also have High Rev Raspberry, which is inspired by the AMG GLC43. And I'll point out that High Rev Raspberry does not have a hole. Now we are on to Solar Beam Dream Donut, which is inspired again by the Mercedes AMG GTS. Can't all of these be inspired by the AMG GTS? In some I, way I think in a perfect world they would be, but uh, what's what 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 about this one here? This bad boy. You mean Midnight Rider Dark Chocolate instead of Midnight Dark Rider Chocolate? Yeah, that's that's what I meant. And what's it's got a nice uh, honey golden stripe. I think it's a racing stripe. It is a racing stripe. I like to eat my donuts in a hurry. I need a racing stripe for them. What's it inspired by? The AMG CLA Forty Five. Okay, and that brings us to the GTC Ustard, which is the Mercedes AMG GTC, which is one of the many, many AMG GT donut inspirations here. It's kind of a gray donut. I guess it. I guess it has custard in it. No, the other one was silver. I don't know if this is. So I don't. I don't know if I would eat this, but I would definitely eat the next one. Off-road sherbet, this beautiful orange one, which is inspired by the AMG uh, G65, the 12-cylinder one. So earlier, remember when we had Whoa White Chocolate and Midnight Rider dark, char dark Chocolate? Well, now we have Super Chocolate, which is inspired by the Mercedes-AMG S65 Coupe. And it, I don't know, Super? What do you think? Yeah, that's dark, man. That's dark chocolate and then some. That's got to be like real dark chocolate. But again, I think uh, the AMG G65 wins the day with this next donut. Growling green tea, or I guess it could have been matcha. But yeah, it's this high, this neon green uh, donut here. Yeah, if you ever see matcha that's neon green, you're actually being served a, a, a cup of toxic waste, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style, secret of the ooze. Don't drink that. Um, the last two donuts, Sammy's going to get to say the best one, but I'm going to go with GT3 Bavarian Cream, which is another gray and yellow donut. Two colors that should never be together on your plate. And uh, it's inspired by the Mercedes AMG GT3. And then finally, we have another red, uh, red donut. This is the red so. Red Velvet, or the Red Pig Red Velvet, inspired by the original AMG uh, 300 SEL 6.3, which uh, won some racing series for them. Well, it, it was a it was a very I believe at the at Spa it came second overall and first in its class, and it was really the car that opened up AMG to the rest of the world. That no one really knew what these guys were doing in there. They had an old mill where they were working on these cars, uh, kind of secretly, in addition to their day jobs at Mercedes Benz. And the Red Sow was a, it was a bolt of lightning that showed a, an extremely heavy large car could with an extremely heavy large engine. <laughs> Could, could kick some butt. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting, while Mercedes doesn't, uh, Mercedes AMG doesn't have a new debut here, they do have this really funky donut shop, and uh, this is one of my favorite things I've seen so far at the LA Auto Show. And it's a success because they got us to talk about it, and everyone's going to be talking about it, and donuts are delicious. <laughs> and we're here at the Infinity booth after a short stint at the Mercedes AMG Performance Donut Shop. I want to uh, just point out to listeners that we didn't eat any donuts because they were all eaten already. Wow, we're so sad about that. But instead, here we are at the Infinity booth where we can see the new QX50 and the brand new QX80 as well. So Sammy, tell me more about why this QX50 is special. I mean, I like the old QX50, but or when it was called the EX even, but um, it was kind of a it was kind of a tall wagon and it was small inside. It was not competitive really with any other crossover SUVs. There wasn't a lot of cargo space. I liked it anyway because it drove very nice. It was a rear wheel drive performance platform. 
but this vehicle is something completely different, is it not? Yeah, this one is very much different. And as you can see, and maybe our, our readers will see on a photo, it's much bigger than that old EX and the old Q, QX50 ever was. But probably the most important part about this car is under the hood, where you can find a 2-liter VC turbo engine. And VC stands for variable compression, which will help this car achieve some really impressive fuel efficiency, especially when paired to a CVT automatic transmission. So how does variable compression actually achieve that goal? Like, what makes it different from a standard high-efficiency turbo engine. So apparently, let me just read this uh, from our site because I can't quite make too much sense out of it yet, but um, it has a multi, it has multi-link connecting rods, rods um, and they continue to lower and raise the maximum stroke of the engine in order to offer different compression ratios. It can produce compression ratios between 8 to 1, which would be better for performance, to 14 to 1 for efficiency. And uh, it'll top out at 268 horsepower and 280 pound-feet of torque. So how does that work with, it's a turbocharged engine? Yeah. So how does that work with, so normally when you have a turbocharged engine, it's lower compression. Mm -hmm. So does the turbo disable itself at lower speeds and that's when you use the high compression engine and then when you're, you want more power, it, it drops the compression of the engine and you get more boost? It doesn't seem to be that way, but that's something that we'll have to see when this car comes to market in 2018. That's true. We kind of have limited information about it. It is a handsome looking vehicle. It's uh, very, it fits very well with the Q50 or the Q60. It's the sedan and the coupe. It's uh, a little, it's, you know, a lot of the, the Infinities, they had the, the crossovers especially. They're very outre. They're very um, attention grabbing, especially the, uh, the QX80, which is also here beside it. But this looks very integrated into the Lexus styling family. Sorry, the Infinities styling family. And I will also say that they've actually smoothed out the looks of their really big QX80. This is something that typically really uh, stood out as a very unattractive car on the road. And now it I looks, liked it. I don't know if it was pretty, but now it looks like uh, it looks very different than that than it ever did before. So we are at the Subaru booth and we are looking at their latest vehicle, which is enormous, the largest Subaru that has ever been built. Absolutely. And before I want to talk about the brand new Subaru Ascent, I need to mention that we actually got into the QX50 over there at the um, Infinity booth. And that interior was something else, man. That was really sexy. It's, it's really nice. The, it's, um, a lot of it has to do with the details that have gone into the, the vehicle's cabin. You have the, the door panels have this really cool kind of like almost wood, almost metallic flourish that runs in a line across the top. The seats have really nice piping and just offsetting colors. It's, there's a lot of effort that's been put into it. They really raised the game for interior materials. But let's talk about the Subaru Ascent, which is a three-row crossover built on Subaru's global platform. And um, it's a very, very big car. It looks like a giant cross, uh, Forester. I would say a giant Outback, even. It's got that kind of, the, the, the front end is very Outback-ish, and it's got the little the little kink in the back but you know i want to say the ascent is a vehicle that descended from a very very striking concept which whose name escapes me now but it came visit. out last the visit that's right it was a chunky rectangular bold look from subaru and as is their custom subaru did not build that vehicle i remember years ago we got a very cool looking subaru wrx uh, concept car that came out i think it was even a coupe 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't expect a coupe to happen, but I was thought, oh, maybe we'll get a Ford or that will look something like this. No, it looked like an Impreza. Mm-hmm. And here we again, we have a vehicle that doesn't look like the concept. It looks like another version of a car they already have. Now, Sammy, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing for Subaru? I think it's a good thing because Subaru's been on a roll with all of their sales lately, and they've been expanding their, their model lined up now, maybe kind of regularly each year. I mean, now we've got this three-row Ascent, and it's got a lot of new, important things for Subaru. For example, it has the max tow rating of any Subaru in history at 5,000 pounds. 5,000 pounds, and that's made possible by a turbocharged four-cylinder engine, is that right? That's correct, a Boxer 4 that makes uh, 260 horsepower and 277 pound-feet of torque, and that's made it, of course, to a CVT transmission. Of course. Uh, You know, regardless of what I might think of the concept to market thing that's happened here with Subaru, they know their customer. They know that people have wanted a three-row version of the Outback forever because they've been asking for it and asking for it. And Subaru was kind of one of those once-bitten, twice-shy kind of companies where they built a three-row vehicle many years ago. I want to say 10 years ago now Mm -hmm. called the the B9 Tribeca and then eventually just the B9, I think, or just the Tribeca. One of those. They they dropped the name. Um, No one bought it. It wasn't because it was bad. It's just because it didn't really stand out, and it's a very competitive market. That's the only sad thing for me about the Ascent is aesthetically, in terms of appearance, especially from the side and at the back, it looks like pretty much every crossover in its class. That's hard to escape when you're building these family-oriented vehicles. They kind of have to walk the line between bland and semi-classy. You don't want to be, especially with Subaru, with the B9, with the styling on that car was kind of, it was kind of out there. Polarizing, for sure. So I understand them not wanting to do that. Well, with this car, they actually touched up the interior much more than any any other Subaru I've ever seen. For example, there's um, a second row of seating. The second row of seating can either be had with captain's chairs or um, a bench seating. There's apparently eight USB ports in this thing. There's maybe 19 cup holders. There's a 14-speaker Harman Kardon sound system in there. There's a giant 8-inch touchscreen. It is just loaded with technology and uh, premium features that I think point the direction forward for Subaru in the, in the future. You know, and speaking of pointing forward, I just want to turn back the clock a little bit and think about another vehicle, another class of vehicle that Subaru might want to revisit, and that is the pickup truck. Because if they can go back to B9 Tribeca world and redo their three-row crossover, why can't they go back to Baja country and give us a compact Subaru pickup? I wonder if there's still demand for a car like the the Baja. I mean, now the mid-sized pickup truck segment has gotten some extra competition thanks to the likes of a brand new uh, Colorado and Canyon. No, but I, I'm thinking like a vehicle below that. I'm thinking like a Baja Brat, like something that's, <laughs> you know, it just it's it's dripping with heritage. It's fun. It's weird. It's quirky. It's Subaru. All right, let's go pitch that idea over to the folks at uh, Subaru. Um, and you know what? They might they might be willing to do that instead of you know just showcasing their 1968 uh, Subaru 360. No, you know what? I think that if we were to pitch that idea, we would quickly find out why we're journalists and not product planners. I think there would be a a very short meeting. All right, maybe you're onto something there. All right, Ben, it is getting end of it's getting to the end of our time here at uh, the Ellie Auto Show, and we have to wrap some things up. And obviously, we haven't been able to touch everything that uh, debuted here because there's still so much to talk about. There is a turbocharged Mazda six. Let's do let's do quick hits, quick the- hits to end the podcast. You name the car, I'll give you a hot take, and you give me your hot response. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, sure. So let's start with that that turbocharged Mazda six. I think that if they uh, are sticking to what is it, 250, 260 horsepower? Yeah. I feel like that's not quite competitive enough to make the Mazda 6 relevant. It's a great vehicle that no one's buying, and I think they really needed some shock and awe to get people in the showroom, especially when you can buy a 300-horsepower Camry. You're out of your mind. It's one of the prettiest cars uh, you can get. All right, next. We also have a 
Volkswagen ID electric sedan. Electric sedan? Tell me more. I can't tell you much more because I don't think it's real. It might not be real, but it's here. That's confusing for everyone. Next. Uh, Nissan Kicks, a smaller crossover from Nissan. When I was a kid, I can remember wanting to eat Kicks cereal, but my parents wouldn't allow me to buy any kind of sugary cereals of any kind. Like, I'm not talking Lucky Charms. I wasn't able to eat Captain Crunch. I wasn't able to eat uh, Fruit Loops, and I, I couldn't eat Kicks. So when I think about the Nissan Kicks, it brings me back to a childhood frustration. Sammy? Uh, I think everyone's going to be frustrated with what the Kicks offers because it's just another small crossover, probably a replacement for the Juke. Um, and that Juke had a really quirky style. It's a replacement for the Juke. It's not kind of a... a, a it, where does this fit with the Nissan Rogue Sport? I think it sits below the Rogue Sport. That's sad. If it means no more Juke, I'm anti-Kicks. Next. Uh, I'm running out of things to, to think about here. We have some concept vehicles from Toyota that haven't quite debuted, but we know all the information because they've shared it with us uh, in advance, like the FT Adventure or Adventure Concept, AC Concept. How does that have, how does that, is that linked to the dynamic smooth handling, uh, what was the one that we talked about just a few weeks ago? Fine Ride? The Fine Ride. So how does the FTX Adventure whatever connect to the Fine Ride philosophy? Uh, I'm certain that it is uh, not so fine of a ride. Wow. Burning words from Sammy Hatchett said. Next is my line, so I'm going to say it again. Next. Uh, we've got the new Wrangler. That's true, the new Wrangler, which uh, I believe some of our colleagues will be driving very soon. I have not seen it in person. I have seen pictures of it. And, it, you know, there's some subtle and weird differences between the traditional truck. But I think people are generally, I think if you're an existing Jeep owner, you're probably going to like it. What about the Corvette ZR? One? What is it called? What is the name of this? We talked about this. Remember we talked about this, the ZR1? Now it has no roof. So there's a convertible version of the ZR1, so you can, uh, I guess, be ejected from the vehicle at 200 miles an hour. I don't know. No, it's 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 a version of the car that I, I think, you know, most people who buy a high, high, high-end sports car and get the convertible probably aren't going to ever take it to the racetrack. Just my first impression, Sammy. Uh, I think you're onto something there. This is not for those people who would typically take a what, uh, what, 755 horsepower car with no roof? That's nuts. Next. I think what's next is that we should tell people about our website and how to subscribe and how to reach out to us. If you've listened this long, congratulations. You are going to be given information as to how you can listen to us again and again and again. And the best way to start for that is to go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google. You can find us on CastBox. You can find us on all sorts of interesting websites uh, that do podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with us, Sammy, how can they do that? I suggest reaching out to us on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can find Ben at Hunting Benjamin. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Unnamed Automotive Podcast and uh, you'll see us pop right up. Thank you for bearing with us on this experimental live podcast. This was a lot of fun to do and just to be here at the auto show looking at the vehicles as we're talking about them to you. And we want to say that there could be a bit of a delay. It might be a week and a half or two weeks before our next podcast because we're both traveling and driving some very cool cars. I am heading to actually today, which is why we're cutting this short, to Portugal to drive the BMW M5 that we talked about earlier as well as the BMW i3s. And then I am heading to Barcelona immediately afterwards to drive the Volvo XC40 Cross over. Sammy, where are you headed next? I'm going to be heading to oh, uh, Charleston to drive the QX80 from Infinity, and then I'll be driving immediately right after that the brand new Buick Regal Sportback. So over the next couple of weeks, look for our next podcast where we're going to be talking about those cars. We'll wrap up some of the stuff from LA. If there's anything that we didn't see today that we feel like we have to mention, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>